morning is entitled from Jeremiah. The good news is I'm not going to read Jeremiah 15 through 24 as shown in the, in the handout. I am going to read from Jeremiah 7 verses 7 through 14. Jeremiah 7, 7 through 14. Blessed is a man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when heat comes. But its leaf will be green, and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart, I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruits of his doings. As a partridge that broods but does not hatch, so is he who gets riches but not by right. It will leave him in the midst of his days, and, in, and at his end he will be a fool. A glorious high throne from the beginning is the place of our sanctuary. O Lord, the hope of Israel, all who forsake you shall be ashamed. Those who depart from me shall be written in the earth, because they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living waters. Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved, for you are my praise. Good morning. Good to be back with you. Had a nice uh, weekend and uh, beginning of the week visiting with uh, the kids uh, all in Arkansas and uh, attended some lectures uh, there at the college and it was a time of refreshing for, for all of us, a time to be together. Uh, Colton left for Haiti the day after our departure and he made it safely there. They had to skirt a hurricane uh, in the plane to get down there, but uh, he did uh, send us a message and say he made it okay and he'll be there till nearly Christmas. So that's kind of part of his routine and his life right now, but we wanted to make sure we caught him and, and um, we got refreshed too. And, uh, Sat at the feet of some good uh, teaching for several days, uh, all of us did, I guess, and um, I'm filled up. Watch out, I got a lot of things on my mind, but not the least of which is this idea that our God is a, a God of blessing. Think about what the first thing was that God did after He created Adam and Eve and brought them together. He blessed them. He brought them together and He blessed them. He blessed them in marriage. He blessed them in prosperity. He blessed them in dominion. He blessed them in every way and set them out on a journey, not retrieving Himself up to His high and lofty throne in heaven to, to have a, a hands-off observation of what would happen from here, but He walked with them in the garden then, didn't He? He walked with them. He, he, would able, he was able to speak with them and they with Him and until, of course, that time when they sinned. And uh, at that time, they began to understand what it was not to receive God's blessing, to, to spurn it and to turn away from it. Jeremiah said in this passage that was read in chapter 17, verse 7, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. Did you notice also there in verse 12? that from the beginning, our sanctuary is with 
the throne in heaven. That was interesting to me. I read, I read over that once or twice and went, wait, our sanctuary, not God's sanctuary. I know where His sanctuary is. It's on His throne in heaven. And He says, that's our sanctuary from the beginning. We're trying to get back there. We're trying to get back. And the only way we're going to do it is through God's blessing. Amen to that, right? Whenever we try to tackle something on our own, how does that go? Whenever we try to accomplish something of our own doing, by our own directive, and to direct our own steps, how does that go? It doesn't always go well, does it? In fact, if it's anything that has to do with my inner man and the accomplishments that I know that I ought to, uh, to reach and the things I ought to do, I don't have a chance without God's blessing. Now, blessing doesn't always come in the form of prosperity and dominion and in the form of having everything that you've ever wanted. Blessing is, in fact, defined as a bestowal of good upon another. And what is good for us does not always come in the form of prosperity, does it? <laughs> Sometimes it's good for us to receive God's blessing in His disciplining hand. But for the most part, I just want you to see that His idea of blessing His children is much like many of you who are parents have an idea of blessing your children. When I think of blessing my children, I don't think of disciplining them. I think of gifting them. I mean, that's what I think about. How can I bless them? I think about how can I give good things to my children? Don't you? Isn't that what you think of? In, in times of birthday celebrations or seasonal where we share gifts with one another, um, we, we don't say, well, I think this year I'm going to, to give them uh, discipline. For That comes January 1st, right? That's when we all discipline ourselves. January 1st, I, I'm, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. But we give good things to each other, things that bring smiles. That's what God desires from the very beginning. I'll show it to you through Scripture if you'll walk with me. God's intention when He created man was to bless him, not to curse him. So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. Then God blessed them and said, See, I've given you every, every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree uh, whose fruit yields seed, for it shall be for you. And He gave them dominion over the earth, etc., etc. But when man became so wicked that almost no one, now here's another way to word this, would receive his blessings. Now they were partaking of them, but they weren't acknowledging who they were from. They weren't receiving them from Him. This is another way of saying when men, men became sinful, exceedingly sinful, they at the same time were refusing to receive God's blessing upon their lives. Though they were living in His world and, and eating of this food and breathing the air and sharing in the relationships with one another, it wasn't God's blessing. Except for this one family, Noah, and his wife, and his, their three sons, and their wives, God destroyed every living thing from off the earth, and He grieved that He did it. But when He saved Noah and his family, those eight souls on the ark through that water, and all of the representations of the various kinds of animals, when they got off the ark and set about their journey to reproduce and he said, He blessed them. 
to be fruitful and multiply. Just like He did with Adam and Eve. He just started over. It got so bad that He started over. And there's a sense in which He does this yet again, but not by destroying the world by water. Men became corrupt very soon thereafter, and He found a man named Abram. And He offered to Abram a covenant. He made a covenant with him of a threefold blessing. He said, I'll bless you and make your name great. You'll become a great nation, and I'll bless him who blesses you. I'll curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So I'm going to bless you, Abraham, in this. You're going to become a great nation. I'm going to give you a land to settle, and then you are going to be a blessing. That's a blessing, to be a blessing. Think about it. And so... Uh, Here we see God establishing this covenant, not just for Abraham's sake, but for all the families of the earth. Genesis 3, by the way. Genesis 12. You you already knew that, right? I mean, we've been hammering that, right? (laughs) That was just for visitors. The rest of you guys know. Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, all right? Uh, That is where God said, you're going to bless all the families of the earth. Future tense, which involves you and me. That's for us. That one's for us. You're going to see his intentions now. Watch God's intentions as we go through this uh, little bit of history. Abram's descendants became known as Israel, the Jews, the Hebrews. They became corrupt as well. Even after God brought them into that land finally and they settled it, they became corrupt. And... The Lord tries to reason with His people through the prophets that their sinfulness is once again turning away God's blessing, turning away His good from them. He said through Jeremiah, and since we're we're camping out in Jeremiah and reading through in our our readings and we're here now at at this point, He said through Jeremiah, this is in chapter 5, verses 24 and 25, they do not say in their heart, let us now fear The Lord our God, who gives rain, both the former and the latter, in its season, who reserves for us the appointed weeks of the harvest. He said, they're not saying in their heart, let us now fear the Lord our God. He said, your iniquities have turned away these things, and your sins have, listen to this, your sins have withheld good from you. Now, I've made this point in previous weeks. It's a shame that we don't even know what good that is because of sin. Not for them and not for us. When, when we're in sin, when we're trying to justify living by our own dictates, to use Jeremiah's language, we don't know what good God could have bestowed upon us if we'd have been walking in harmony with Him. We just miss it and you're left with your life. You're left with your life as it is. And we think, well, it's pretty good, but I want to tell you what he told to to Moses and what he told to David and what he told to others. And I could have done so much more. Do you remember that? Especially to David. So much more I wanted to do with you, but but you wouldn't because of sin. Oh, man, that that kind of haunts me a little bit, you know? I, I think about when I go clear back to high school, junior high, high school, the way I lived in, in college for some time, or just 
intermittently since, just when I've sinned, damage that I've done that I just don't know to others or myself. And it makes me avowed to walk in line with God so I can see His rich blessings. It should all of us make us feel that way. So their divided heart, His own people, His own people, their divided heart is keeping them from receiving blessings. So for over the period of the next 200 years of this, this waywardness, although there's some drifting in and out, uh, we're now at T minus one and counting, all right? We're at the point where Zedekiah, who is the last king of the southern kingdom of Judah, the northern kingdom already having been taken away, we're at Zedekiah now, the last king, in fact, until Christ comes and reigns on his throne as the tribe of Judah. It's the last king, Zedekiah. And here yet, we have God directing a plea through Jeremiah intended to prick the heart. This is a sermon. That's what sermon does. It pricks the heart. Listen to this plea through Jeremiah. Thus says the Lord, Go down to the house of the king of Judah, Jeremiah, and there speak this word and say, Hear the word of the Lord, O king of Judah. You who sit on the throne of David, you and your servants and your people who enter these gates, thus says the Lord, execute judgment and righteousness and deliver the plundered out of the hand of the oppressor. Do no wrong or do no violence to the stranger, the fatherless, or the widow, nor shed innocent blood in this place. For if indeed you do this thing, then shall enter the gates of this house, riding on horses and in chariots, accompanied by servants and people, kings who sit on the throne of David. But it also is accompanied with a stern warning. But if you'll not hear these words, I swear by myself that this house shall become a desolation. If you will not receive this blessing, you will be swept away by your enemies. Let me bless you. And look at the plea to the heart. Stop plundering. Stop oppressing. Stop ignoring the social injustices. Stop, stop neglecting widows and fatherless children who are in need of the assistance of the leadership of this kingdom that I have established. I mean, man, if that doesn't pull your heartstrings, guys, I, seriously. I mean, if you're a king and you're sitting there and you're listening to this and you can say, I don't think so. Take him out of my presence. You're at the end of God's rope. <laughs> I mean, God's mercy is now withdrawn, and it is. He withdraws it. He says, this, this place will be left a desolation. Yet for all this, while they're in captivity, Jeremiah crafts a letter by the word of God. And he says to the captives by Babylon, as they sit along the river, pondering their captivity, and he states in the most endearing and hope-filled terms, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then, 
You will call upon me and go and pray to me and I'll listen to you. And you'll seek me and you'll find me when you search for me with all your heart. I mean, he had withdrawn his mercy in this sense. The last offer was through Jeremiah to Zedekiah there in about chapter 20. That was the last offer to turn and repent and I'll, I'll relent from this disaster. But now it's, you still need to turn to me. I'm not going to fix this problem right away. You're in this now for a while. But I want to tell you what you can have yet personally. Personally, here's what you can have. Because even though you don't know what I'm thinking about you because you refused my blessing, I'll tell you what I'm thinking about you. I know the thoughts that I think toward you. They're thoughts of good and not of evil. I do not sit up here and think, how can I do evil to this people or any nation? I think, how can I do good to mankind whom I have made upon the earth? How can I bless man? Yet you turn and refuse my blessing. I want to talk about your future. I want to talk about the hope that you have in the work that I'm going to do through my son. But you refused it. And so you sit along the river Kibar and you ponder and you weep. And still, as Ezekiel comes to them here in chapter 18 and says, The Lord has no pleasure in the death of one who dies, spiritually speaking. Therefore, turn and live. How can you refuse this plea? And yet they did. But God will not be stopped. He will not be stopped. God will bless mankind. He will keep His promise that He made from the beginning, that He made to Satan when He said, the seed of a woman will bruise your head. And when He said to Abram, all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. I will keep this promise. I will bless. And so the time came when he brought about Jesus Christ. In the fullness of time, Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 4, in the fullness, when it was just the right time. An announcement came to Mary, to Joseph, but listen to the announcement to the shepherds in the field to, to trigger the response of the people that their king is coming. Then the angel said to these shepherds, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. All people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And then in Luke chapter 2, verse 13, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. That's the mind of God. That's the heart of God. He refuses to let us be destroyed in and of ourselves. He refuses to accept no for an answer, and He continues to work. He continues to plea with us, and even in the fear of the shepherds as they see this heavenly host appear to them, He says, don't be afraid, this is good. <laughs> This is good for you. This is good for my people. This is good for everyone. I declare to you peace on earth and goodwill. That's a blessing to bestow good upon to men. So he came, Jesus did, as the fulfillment of God's promise to bless the world, not to condemn it. 
Somebody says, well, Jesus is judgmental. He's got a, something to say about everything. He's got an opinion about everything. Jesus said, I did not come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. That, through the, that the world through Him might be saved, John put it. So, Paul affirms in 1 Thessalonians 5, this is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. I mean, this is one of the passages that keeps me going, church. I hope it becomes one of yours. In 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 8-11, through 11, listen. So, Paul says, But let us who are of the day, that is, those of us whose senses have been heightened, who, whose awareness has been pricked, whose knowledge has been filled with the knowledge of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the one who came to save the world, let us who are of the day, he says, be sober, putting on the, breast, the breastplate of faith and love. He got that from Isaiah, by the way. And as a helmet, the hope of salvation. Put on your helmets. There's hope. For God did not appoint us to wrath but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. When God created man upon the earth, He did not appoint him to wrath. He has never changed his mind. God does not change. He is the Lord. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has not changed his mind. He has appointed you for salvation, every one of you in this room. Not for destruction, not for hell. He created hell for the devil and his angels. But men who refuse Him will find themselves there. That's what Jude said. That's what Peter said. It's not even for us. But that will be our destination if we so choose it to be. Because we have no excuse. Men are without excuse, Paul said in Romans 1. Because we suppress the truth in our unrighteousness. Let us see through this. Let us see the sin in our lives. But let us see the solution, and that is the gospel. The Lord stated two purposes for His coming. I mean, self-stated, I am here to give men the abundant life, John 10, and to seek and save the lost and offer Myself a ransom for many, Luke 19. And I have to wonder, what's He, what's he doing? What's He trying to say? What, why is He here? What, what's He claiming? What? I am here to give you abundant life, and I'm here looking for those who will be saved receive this blessing that's going to come by my ransomed body being offered in your stead. Okay then. So Paul said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So it's in Christ. Every spiritual blessing Every blessing that comes down from the Father of lights, James chapter 1, is found in Christ. Oh, now the world, oh, now sinners partake of an afternoon meal today. They're going to partake of pleasure. You and I are going to partake of the same things. You say, well, what's the difference? The spiritual blessings are the real difference. The things that would satisfy my soul. You see, there is no material thing. There is not even a person on the earth that can satisfy my soul's longings. Not my wife, not my children, not you, my brother, not a good friend, and certainly no animal can fill my soul 
that can only come through the acceptance of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on my behalf, the grace of God. That is how it comes. My highest aim, then, is, is not just found in the church. All right, now you need to listen closely to this or you're going to get upset with me. All right, the end all is not that we're all meeting together here and the blessings are coming to us and there we're, we're receiving the end of God's blessing. The destination of all His blessings are, are thrown right into our midst and we're just reveling in them. That's not the end. You see, the church is the instrument of God's blessing, not the destination. I want you to think about this with me. We're the instrument of God's blessing. When the church is viewed as the destination of all God's blessings, they all end up with the people in the church. Nearly a sinner has a blessing out there. It's just all within the church. No one can enjoy a relationship or a happy marriage. It's all within the church. See, wait a minute, I've got questions about that. I know people are being blessed out there um, that are not in the church. The church is not the aim of God's blessing. The world is the aim of God's blessing. When we receive these blessings, they are to flow into us, through us, and into the world as we go and make other disciples. That's the destination. How many of you like to go to the airport? I'm raising my hand because I like to go to the airport. I don't know why. When I was little, uh, one of my older brothers was, was going to become a pilot, and he used to take us to Cleveland Airport, me and Todd. Uh, me, at least. I don't have to ask Todd about that. But I remember going with him and just watching the jumbo liners come in, and that was a big deal, man. He'd park us right underneath the runway. I'm like, wow, that's so cool. I've always liked airports. I've always thought it was just fascinating. But also because there's a sense of excitement that surrounds the airport. Sometimes it's to say goodbye. And sometimes we weep and shed tears as we send someone off, but that's a sense of excitement. There's something happening at airports whenever you go there, it seems like. I know some of you, like Kevin and Sam, and some of you who fly a lot are going, no. <laughs> There's really nothing exciting about the airport. Let's just talk about going somewhere where you want to go. How's that, right? Maybe a vacation. Maybe you're going to the beach and you're flying to Florida or, or somewhere down south or out west or wherever. Maybe you're going to jump on a cruise ship, but you've got to fly there first. Usually there's some sense of, of excitement when, you, when you're going to the airport or you're going to see somebody you haven't seen a lot. But you go there to board a plane to take you to your destination. You see, the destination is not the airport. Now, how many of you have been stuck in an airport before? Anybody? I have for at least hours, never overnight. My son did, first time he ever flew. Uh, we flew him down to Harding to look at it. And he got stuck overnight in Chicago O'Hare Airport because he wasn't 18 or something like that. Uh, he couldn't get a motel, etc. Cetera, et cetera. They had him sleep in the, like, whatever airline it was. I wish I knew I'd say it so that it made him look really bad. But uh, they made him sleep in the, in the office in there. And uh, worse yet, he was traveling with another uh, friend of ours, daughter. So no, you're not going to put him up in a motel. Like, we're on the phone going, well, you've got to get two rooms. If they put you up in a room, you've got to get two rooms, you know. Sleeps in the airport. It, it's the church is the airport, though, in a sense. That God's blessings are, are to come in 
But they don't find their destination here. They find their destination in people connecting with Christ. Does that make sense? We're, we're connecting people with their God. We're not hogging all the blessings to ourselves. That's what He wants to do, and that's why He blesses us so that we'll turn and bless. There's a, there's a scholar who put forth four laws of blessings. He said this, First of all, our blessings should flow through us to others. And for, I, I gave the example of 1 Peter 2, where he says that we ought to conduct ourselves in such a way that those who speak against us as evildoers, and I mentioned this in class, will by our conduct change their minds, will glorify God in the day of visitation. They'll actually turn their lives over to Him, and when the judgment day comes, they'll be found standing clothed in Christ because of you. I mean, that's the idea, that, that the blessings flow through you. Secondly, the more we're blessed by God, the more He expects us to bless others. As Jesus said in Luke 12, 48, For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. So there's a degree of blessing. Now, I don't know about degrees of rewards in heaven, but I know that there's degrees of blessings here on earth. And the more you're blessed, yep, you guessed it. Just like you and I would expect from each other. I would expect this from my children. The more blessed they are, the more that they would give, the more they share. I would expect that. I would teach that to them. God expects that from you. The more blessed you are, the more you ought to share. Now this again, try not to think just in terms of prosperity. Well, I give to this charity and I do that and I do all these. I want you to think about spiritual blessings. I want you to think about the fruits of the Spirit. Sharing those blessings. Thirdly, he says, when we bless others, God promises to take care of us. He promises to take... Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things, your food, your clothing, life, will be added to you. Okay? For example. Fourthly, our blessings to others will come back to us. Oh yes, they come around. What goes around comes around, right? In a bad way and in a good way. It'll come back to us. Now, maybe you'll be a martyr for Jesus. Your blessing will come back to you. It may be in the next realm, but God says, I will, I'll make that up to you. I will bless you in that. Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And where are the prophets now? His point, without having to be said, they're rejoicing with me in the eternal. Watch how Jesus turns the receiving of the Father's gifts into a responsibility to us to give to others. Ask, Matthew 7, 7, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and it'll be open to you. I promise. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you, he says, Jesus said, if his son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Our Father who is in heaven, how much more will he give good things to those who ask him? God is a God of blessing, he's saying. Now listen to this, golden rule. Right there on the right attached right there on the end of this. The golden rule. Ouch. He says, 
Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, bless me, please. Can everybody just bless me, please? Do also to them. Do unto others as you'd have them to do. Well, I want to be blessed. Guess what? You figured it out. Jesus, he thinks we're intelligent people. He doesn't always spell everything out like I just did. He just said, well then, whatever you want to receive, you do. And do it first. In fact, don't wait until you say, well, I'm just not blessed. When God blesses me, then maybe I'll bless somebody else. He said, no. If you want to be blessed, be a blessing. Be a blessing. With what you have, we all have blessings. With what you have, you share it. And when I see you sharing, I will commit to you more. And when I commit to you more, I want you to give more. We're not storing this up in a storehouse. I want you to just let this thing flow through you. And money fits into that because we've talked about money from the pulpit. Have Dave Ramsey class going back there. And the idea is that our hands are open with money. That we receive blessings, we give it. If hands are closed and I don't want to give anything away, well, I can't you can't put anything else in there either. Money is just one of the ways that you might be blessed. But when I'm talking about receiving salvation, and I've been forgiven, shall I not forgive those who have sinned against me? And someone sinned against me greatly. I mean, I'm really upset with so-and-so. I've been forgiven greatly. Shall I not also forgive greatly? Of course. The question then is, are you fulfilling God's desire to bless the world? He's not going to be stopped. Okay, You might stop the flow of blessing to yourself, and you might stop it going out to others. And when you stop one, you stop the other. But God will not stop looking to bless, seeking and saving those who are outside of Christ, who don't know the blessing of knowing and understanding Him. Who am I to get in the way? I want to get on the train. I want to get on that wagon. I don't want to be the one who refuses the goodness of God, not knowing how much good I've refused. Well, thankfully, He doesn't require a perfect church. If He did, we would really all be upset with each other. Hmm. Sometimes when we get upset with each other, guess what we're thinking? This is the end of blessing right here. Now you're spoiling my blessings. Who let you into this church anyhow? That's the same mindset I want to warn you. It's the same mindset that says, you don't have a right to ruin my blessing. Because this is, this is the aim of God's blessing. I found it. I'm here. Here I am. Don't spoil it. When I'm just thinking, God's flowing through me. He's flowing through me. You can't stop me from doing that. Nobody can. I've said that everywhere I've ever been. If you want to grow in this place in the Lord, you can do it. A human being doesn't have to stop you. They have to stop God first. So let's open up ourselves to receive His blessing. The Gospel is the only thing that is going to fill your soul. And when you're set free from sin, you're set free to do anything. And to think big, like Andy said here at the table. Let's think about what what God can do and maximize what He can do through you. And so I'll leave you on that note. And the decision's yours to become Christ's 
to be baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins so that you can begin to bless all of the people who are searching for that very same thing, whether they know it or not, near you. Let's be a blessing to others today. Let's stand and sing.